0: I have to understand what my standing is and God's word says inasmuch as as I have repented of my sins and trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I'm no longer a part of this world I have been drawn out of this world into his marvelous light and I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus I have authority over all the powers of darkness and my mind is my mind and I'll think the thoughts that God wants me to think and not the things, thoughts that the enemy wants me to think or what my flesh wants me to think or what my circumstances would have me to think I'm getting into a very critical area here when I talk about the purpose of your heart If you don't like yourself, then you've got to go back and search God's word and see what God thinks about you and begin to think what God thinks about you. The enemy is going to tell you you're useless, you're worthless, you just can't make it, you've always failed before, you're going to continue to fail. But that isn't what God's word says. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He says you're a royal generation, a priesthood, a holy generation. He says you're the apple of his eye. You're precious in his sight. And you have to begin to realize if that's what God says, that's what I am. But I don't feel that way. It don't go by feelings. How many of you married people feel like you're married? I mean, I'm married. I can tell it. I can feel it. See? No, yeah, yeah. I definitely feel that. No, you don't feel married. You're married because somewhere along the line you made a quality decision to commit yourself to that other partner. What's the difference? You made a quality decision. And if you make a quality decision, I am going to be all that God wants me to be, and I'm not going to listen to what the, the lies of the enemy anymore. I'm going to be what he wants me to be. Then you're off starting a new direction. You've got a new purpose, and, it's, and what you purpose in your heart is going to be determined by what you understand you're standing to be. Has Christ forgiven you of your sins? Well, he says he did. Well, have you forgiven yourself of your sin? Well, I'm pretty miserable. I didn't ask you that. Have you forgiven yourself? Well, you know, I'm just going to sin again. That is what I ask you. Have you forgiven yourself? If you don't forgive yourself, how do you expect God to forgive you? How do you expect to have any victory in your life if you don't forgive yourself? Either God forgave you and washed you and redeemed you and clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, or you're still walking around like a rag muffin. But he says that he has taken your sin and has clothed you in his righteousness. So when you stand before God, not that you're righteous, but Christ is righteous because of what he's done for you. You have Christ's righteousness because of what he's done for you. And you can come boldly before the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus and make your petitions known to God. You've got access directly into the throne of God. Well, I'm not sure I do. You're calling God a liar. Well, I don't feel like that. You're calling God a liar. God didn't tell you to go by your feelings. He told you who you are in Christ. Now, once you have that understanding, get out of the way, Satan. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. Don't you stand between me and Jesus. I belong to him. These things that have been in my life, they're not going to stay there anymore because Jesus said he's redeemed me, and I can have a new, renewed mind. Now, you mind, I'm telling you, you don't think those thoughts anymore. And when that anger tries to come against me anymore, from now on in Jesus' name, you have no right in my life. When that jealousy comes in, you will not function in my life anymore. Whatever that problem might be, if it's covetousness, if it's, if it's cynicism, if it's anger, whatever it might be, that will not function. Why? Because I am seated in Christ Jesus. I have been redeemed. I'm a new creature in Christ. Well, I just don't feel... Will you get out of your feelings and get into faith to what God's Word says you are. It's just where we have learned to apply it. Why is your name written in the Looks like, oh, amen, praise God, my name is written? How do you know that? You've never seen it. You've never been there. Well, God's word—you can accept that. Can is Jesus coming in? Oh, hallelujah! Yes, Jesus is coming through the clouds, going to take me to heaven. How do you know that? He's never done it before. Well, He says he's going, you got—you believe that. Well, why can't you believe what God says about you? I can't get away from this one thing. God just keeps telling me, be what God tells you you are, and not what you think you are. Believe what God's word says you are, and not what you feel you are. That's going to be the beginning of where you're going to have healing and strength and growth in your life. Some people go around so sad as believers and I feel so badly for them. You and I have every reason to rejoice. True Christians ought to be almost jumping over these pews with excitement when they begin to realize who they are in Christ Jesus. I won't accept the lies of Satan anymore. I refuse to accept them anymore. The scripture says I'm to rejoice and again he says rejoice. He said he's put a song in my heart, he even praise unto our God, many shall see it in fear and trust the Lord. If you don't have a song in your heart, say God, where I miss it. You said it was mine, I want it. Give me that song. I'm going to have a song in my heart for the Lord. You're going to be miserable when you get to heaven because that's all we're going to be doing singing the praise of the Lord. Well, I just don't feel like don't go by your feelings. Go by what the word says. Remember, I told you about Daniel? Taken captive? brought before the king as one of the choice young men he said now feed him all the wine and all the meat from the king's table I want these to be the finest young men and Daniel purposed 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 in his heart he wouldn't, def- he wouldn't defile himself of the king's meat and his wine I don't believe that's pleasing to God for me to defile my body like that he said and I won't do it so he went to the, the head man over him and said could I just eat this pulse which is a, a grain and lentil type of thing with water He said, well, I'll watch and make sure. And he purposed in his heart and the end result was that God gave knowledge and skill in all learning and in all visions and dreams to Daniel because he purposed in his heart to do what God would have him to do. Now, again, I say that a believer must purpose in his heart to seek God and to set his goals according to what? God's priorities. God's priorities. Now, I can say all these things and this is the This is the the feeling of total inadequacy as a pastor. You can say all these things, but I can't make anyone do it. I have to ask you, do you really believe, after what I'm telling you now, that it is God's will for you to seek him? Should believers be seeking God? You know, some people just kind of float through life. Well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Then God will have to just hit me in the back of the head with the pop bottle and get my attention if he wants me to do something. And they just float and wonder why they don't see the victory that they want to see in their lives. You see, God's word says very clearly that we should seek him. How do we seek him? How do we seek God? Some people say I've got to just wait on God all night and all day and all night and all day for 30 days, 40 days. That isn't what the scripture says, unless God specifically speaks that to you. If you and I want to seek God, the first thing is John 5.39. John 5.39. Not written on my face, it's written in here. John 5.39. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you and I are going to seek the Lord, We're going to have to search the scriptures to find out everything it has to say concerning who Jesus Christ is, what he is to us, what he's provided for us, what's available to us, how he's provided for the areas of need in our life. You say, well, where do I start? Well, first of all, find out if you have a problem with fear. Go to a concordance somewhere and find every verse in the scripture that has to do with fear. What does God say about fear? What does God say about courage? The righteous are bold as the lion. The wicked flee when no man's pursuing them. That doesn't sound like we should be allowing fear in our lives. Fear causes torment, the Bible says. Some people say, you know, I'm constantly tormented. Well, that's because you haven't gone to the Word and found out what God says about fear and the believer's position concerning fear. Whatever it is, find out the verse that's there concerning fear. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Personalize it. Say, I'll take that for me. Every time the enemy comes against you to bring fear in your life, I'm going to accept that because it says this in the word of God and you quote that scripture verse what are you doing you're taking the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Jesus was hungry Satan came and said why don't you to turn that rock into bread he pulled it out man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God take that Satan and each time he brought the word out now I don't know where your area of need might be maybe it's in the area of finances what does God's word say about finances I've known families right here in this body that, that were in financial disaster areas And they began to apply biblical principles and God brought them out. Surprise! No, it always works. Operate by God's principles and they'll always work. It's when we violate God's principles we get into trouble. That's why we try to apply and teach biblical principles. Maybe you have an area and have a problem in the area of health. I've seen people, some people going around and you don't dare ask them how they are because they'll take two hours to tell you. And they'll tell you the same story over and over again. And you say, get in the Word and find out what God's Word says for you concerning that, that need. Now maybe... Maybe God's not going to heal you instantly. Maybe God's not going to take it away completely from you. He, Paul the Apostle said he had a thorn in the flesh, and he came and he cried out to the Lord three times, and God said, My grace is sufficient for you. And he said he allowed that to happen to humble me, to make me realize that I'm not God, man's God, God's man of power for the hour and has all nine gifts, and no, I don't need anyone else. He made me realize that I have areas of weakness also. And you have to find out what's God saying to me concerning this physical affliction. Maybe you're violating biblical principles of health. I know some Christians get up in the morning and shove a piece of white toast in their mouth a cup of black coffee in their mouth and they'll go out and run all morning and then they'll sit down and have a greasy hamburger for lunch and they'll run all afternoon and they'll go out and grab some fatty piece of food and shove that in their mouth in the evening and before they go to bed at night they'll have a Coke or something and they go to bed and they say God I don't know why I just ache and I mean, some pain around here take your car tomorrow and pour some uh, sewing machine oil in the crankcase and a little bit of water and kerosene in the gas tank and see how far you go you and I, you and I are what we eat and believe me, you and I are what we think. And we have to be very, very careful what we're doing to our bodies. We may be violating some health principles that's causing these afflictions to come upon us and find out what they are. I've known people who've changed their, their eating habits and changed their, their health habits and suddenly found many of these things would disappear from them. But you have to find out what God's Word says about health. How many of you have trouble with your family? Are you violating biblical principles? I've had people say to me, I love my children too much to punish and spank them. And let me tell you, you're getting absolutely washed away with this over television today. I heard a lady the other day say, uh, we don't have to do the old, I, I can't remember the exact term, but something like the old uh, uh, punishment type of things anymore. We can reason with our children. Well, there's nothing unreasonable about correcting your children according to the Word of God. They call that brutality and punishment, teaching them to be brutal with other people not at all you're teaching them the principle of doing right brings blessing doing wrong brings punishment and that's what they're going to learn from God and you know why they don't want our children to learn that because they don't want them to learn how to function with God learn what the biblical principles that are involved maybe there's a secret sin in your life I've had people come to me and say you don't have problems with pornography I said well the word of God gives us parameters of what we can think and what we are to think about whatsoever of things are true, honest, just pure, lovely good report with virtue and praise Now, you need to go into the Word of God and see what it says about thoughts, our thoughts and the imaginations of our hearts and how we can have that taken care of. We need to go back and see what Job said, how he made a covenant with his eyes not to look at a woman of lust. You have to put that into the principle. Say, that's a principle of God's Word. I want that to operate in my life. Begin to not just read it, meditate upon it, memorize it and personalize it. How can I put that to my heart and mind? There's all kinds of verses on these things. But until we find out what God's Word says and establish it, we're not going to be able to seek God and to set our goals according to His priorities in our life. You want victory in your life? Find out what God's Word says. Now, first thing is to read the Word, which means to meditate and memorize and personalize it. The second thing is to give time to God. Well, I, I give my tithe to the Lord, you know. Now, God, that's not, you know, He gave it all to you. You're just giving it back to Him. He's given you all your time. How many people tithe their time to the Lord? whether it's serving the Lord reaching out and touching others or if it's spending time with the Lord in prayer well let's see Ty that would be 2 hours and 40 minutes a day Jeremiah 29 Jeremiah 29 Jeremiah I love to hear the turning of pages Jeremiah 29 I, I don't understand why people come to hear God's word preached without their Bible we start with verse 11 for I know that I have the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end then shall you call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with what all your heart and I will be found of you saith the Lord and I will turn away your captivity when you seek for me with all your heart now first of all it's hard to find Christians today that'll give one day a day, one day a week to the Lord. Now you know when the Jews used to have the Sabbath, it was from six at night until six at night at night the next next night. Uh, today the Sabbath or the day of rest most people is Sunday morning. Well, did my duty. In fact, some of them are getting a little tired of that, so they go on Saturday night so they can have all day Sunday free to go and do what they want to do. They know nothing about giving, setting aside a day unto the Lord. Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom and I don't think he went there and said well that's over for the day now I going go do my own thing I believe he, he he honored the Sabbath I believe he took that time aside and then there's the daily time of seeking the Lord and I guess if there's anything that disturbs me in the life of many Christians who are having difficulty is that they don't daily spend time seeking the Lord's face. and the Bible's very very clear about that first of all evenings Sometime in the evening, spend some time with the Lord. I thank the Lord that my wife and I try to read the scriptures and pray together every night just before we go to sleep. We'll open up the scriptures and read several chapters, and then sometimes we'll lay there and talk about those chapters, what we've found out in there, and that's an interesting thing. And how does that apply? Well, it applies over here and back and forth. Uh, You know, it's very important. Someone said one time that the last important thought in your subconscious at the end of the day will affect your mood for the next morning. Whatever you're thinking about just before you go to bed at night. If you go to bed mad or angry or fearful the next morning that'll have the first effect on your life. So before you go to bed Psalm 63 Psalm 63 Doesn't make any difference what I say. What does the scripture say? If we're going to set God's priorities as ours Psalm 63 verses 5 and 6 David said my soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my what? bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. In the night watches. Turn over to Lamentations. Lamentations. Jeremiah Lamentations Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 19 this is after Israel had, and Judah had gone into captivity and they were struggling trying to find God Jeremiah said to them in Lamentations arise cry out in the night in the beginning of the watches pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street He's you're having trouble with the young people he says, get up in the middle of the night or stay up at night before you go to bed. The last one is, cry out to God, and lift up your hands at night to seek the Lord's face. Not only at night, but also in the morning if we're going to seek the Lord. It is God's will for us to seek the Lord, and we should give this time to the Lord, morning or evening or both. My wife and I, when we awaken in the morning, the first thing we do before we ever get out of bed is to take time to pray together. Committing the day to the Lord, all of our thoughts, all of our actions and activities for that day, and all the different ones. We try to pray for the different ones in the body. We believe that it's a time when our minds are free and clear before we get involved with the phone ringing and people coming to the door and feeding the cats and all the rest that's involved in the daily life. To spend time with the Lord. Mark one thirty-five, concerning the morning, Jesus said, "In and in the morning, and it says concerning Jesus, and in the morning rising up a great while before day." He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Well, you say Jesus had t- a lot of time. Well, I think Jesus' schedule was very important, but he counted that as a priority. Some people say, I'm just not the praying kind. Well, you're going to be the, the kind that's going to have trouble then if you're not the praying kind. Because we must call upon the Lord. We must seek the Lord's face. We must spend time with the Lord. How else are we going to hear what the Lord has to say? I, I remember a dean or the one of the um, officers in our Bible college one time He was talking to young people. He said, I see some of you young people, your lights come on and 10 minutes later you're running between the dormitory and over to the main building to go see some of the the, uh, female students in the school and go have a a, a donut and a cup of coffee. He said, when do you ever stop to listen to God? If God's ever going to speak to you, he's going to have to hit you with a pop bottle right in the back of the head between the dormitory and the main building because you aren't spending time in your room so that God can get your heart quiet and talk to you. I was there long enough to see that those that didn't spend time with the Lord later on failed. They went under. You and I must seek the Lord and His face, seek His face and His strength and His direction in our life. Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto Thee and will look up. And will look up. In the New Testament it says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit as part of our armor. I believe that when we pray in the Spirit... We have the armor of God on us and protecting our minds and our spirits. And that's why the scripture says we're to cast all our care upon Him because He cares for us. We've got to get time to have time to know God. We've got to have time to know His voice. You know, sometimes when you're just sitting down and lay your head back and close your eyes and just say, Lord, I want to come into your presence through the name of Jesus. I want to come into your presence. I ask you to wash me in your precious blood. And I just want to be here in your presence and have you speak to me. Now God may not just say a whole bunch to you right then, but just be quiet before Him and begin to tell Him that you love Him and begin to give thanks to Him for His mercy and goodness in your life. Why? Because it's the will of God that we seek Him. The Word of God exhorts us to seek Him, to spend time. If it be in the morning, if it be in the night, if it be in midday, the Jewish people used to do it five times a day. They would stop. I know of a man that was almost bankrupt and he finally stopped and gave his business to the Lord and after that, He said five times a day, early morning when he got up, in the middle of the morning, at noon, in the middle of the afternoon, before he went to bed at night, he stopped, read some scripture verses, and said, Lord, give me direction and guidance for the rest of the day. I really need wisdom from you the rest of the day. What about this situation in my business right now? I've got to make this decision, Lord. I'm looking to you for wisdom and guidance and direction. Will you understand? The man became a multimillionaire. You know, God knows the answers to your business problems. God knows the answers to your home problems, your family problems, your personal problems. But he says, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. How can I succeed in this? God, you give me the secret. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Even your enemies will come come around and do things to bless you. When a man's ways please the Lord. These are the promises of God. Now you see, you can go around with your knower and know that you have weaknesses and problems, or you you know or know that if God be for me, who can be against me? Not presumptuously, but because the promises of God are yea and amen, and his thoughts toward me are continually good. And if I'll walk in obedience to the Lord, and I'll walk uprightly before the Lord, it doesn't mean perfect. It means I admit I fail, and I get up and say, God, forgive me, and I go on. Put it under the blood and go on. If I'll do that, I can believe that God's going to open doors that no man can close, and he's going to close doors that no man can open. And I'll tell you the truth, I don't want to go through one that God closes but you can just carefully just walk walk. He didn't say it's a lamp under your acre, he said it's a lamp under your feet, light under your path. Just one step at a time. Lord, I just need wisdom. Just give me guidance and direction in this. God wants us to seek his face. God wants us to seek his face concerning this church. Well, Pastor, that's what we pray you pay you for. No? I'm paid to be good, remember? <laughs> perfect, yeah, I'm paid to be perfect. The rest of you are good for nothing, you know. <laughs> you see, unless it becomes a body's burden. God, use us. And when we do get to that place, we're all of one accord, one heart, one mind, the Holy Ghost is going to come and do what he wants to do. There's not a person sitting here tonight that God couldn't use if they'd say, Lord, I'm available, use me. I'm available. Show me how. Well, I'll wait till the preacher gets an inspiration and comes and tells me, no, Lord, use me, show me. How can I be a blessing? How can I make it great? I thank God for what the young people are doing already. We've got some great young people. And I don't think it's even starting to scratch the surface. I'm going to tell you something. If they can get up to 50 in attendance for three, three Wednesday nights, I'm going to try to get a hold of Joseph Jennings and see if he'll come over and speak to them one Wednesday night. I mean, he'll blow their minds. I mean, you get Joseph Jennings up there. He's a great big black brother that loves God with all his heart. He's got knife scars. Uh, bullet scars in his body he's got all kinds of things all over him. he's been through the whole mill and he loves God and I'll tell you he can talk to young people and we have 50 young people up there for three Wednesday nights in a row you let me know and I'll have Joseph Jennings come over here and speak to the young people that'll be an encouragement to you in fact I wish we would get him to come over here and speak to the high school first and then tell them, hey come to Powerhouse on Wednesday night that could work that'd work for me wouldn't it you? that's a possibility see now what, what are we doing we're just taking the, the things that God lays before us and say Lord use me to seek his face personally young people adults seek seek God God how can you use me how can I be a witness how can I encourage others to come how can I reach out and just begin to cause the body of Christ to grow here it's God's will for you to seek his face in those things Father thank you for this time together thank you for your blessings in our lives thank you for those who set aside this day because they want to seek the Lord Lord we're going to find out in the days ahead what the word says about the blessings that are available to those who seek you I pray in Jesus name that you'll put our eyes on the harvest field and even as Jesus said to us look under the harvest field they're white already to harvest the woods are full of them go get them I pray you'll put this burden on our hearts Lord and that you'll do in each one of our lives a new work where every one of us will be excited about what you're going to do and we'll see the blessings of God. But Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to reach out to the north, south, east, and west by your angels and begin to draw to us those sheep that you'd have us to have. Lord, we don't care what lifestyle they come from. We just want to preach repentance and believe that you're going to change their lives and they're going to serve you with all their heart and mind. We commit this time to you, Lord. Thank you for this hour. Thank you, Lord, that we've been able to pray for each other and encourage each other. I pray that you'll mold us together as a body like no other body. That in the days ahead we'll look back and see the goodness of God that's caused each one of us to be a blessing to each other. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Appreciate you coming. concerning biblical certainties that the Bible is a supernatural book unlike any other. It's the inspired word of God and the complete authority for my life. That has to be a conviction. The second conviction is, as a believer, I must purpose to seek God and to set my goals according to His priorities. And uh, we said that the idea of a purpose is a free choice from our own heart. God will never force us to do anything. He will allow circumstances to be such that it would be better for us to go his way. He can send the send in the uh, hornets if he needs to. He can send a, a rooster after Peter and a, a, way, a fish after Jonah. He has ways of dealing with people to try to bring them to a place of obedience, but he never forces us to do it. He brings us to a place where we have the opportunity to make a choice, and then he holds us responsible for the choices that we make. That's why I tell people, basically, we are exactly where we want to be spiritually. We have chosen to be where we are spiritually. We can also choose to go further than where we are right now with God, but it has to be an act on our part. We have to be willing to make that choice, and a free choice from the heart. And that can only happen by understanding who we are and what we are in Jesus Christ. A person that says they're a Christian and still has a very loathsome picture of themselves and feels so totally unworthy, totally condemned all the time, do not understand who they are and what they are in Jesus Christ. And until they do, they cannot enjoy the freedom and the privileges that God has given to the believer. Until they begin to say that they are what Jesus says they are, until they say what God's Word says they are, and begin to believe it, nothing else is going to happen in their life that's worthwhile. We have to come to the place where we say, what does God say concerning me? Our identity in Jesus Christ is so important. You and I may look at ourselves and say, I'm a failure here, I'm a failure there, I'm a failure here. I'm just a failure. No, we have to look back and say, I have failed here, I have failed here, and I have failed here, but my desire, my goal, my purpose is to follow after Jesus Christ. And I will try, attempt to do the will of God in every area of my life. And that's what I choose to do you remember I said Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not eat of the king's food and his wine and because of it God gave knowledge and skill and all learning and all visions and dreams to Daniel now I said that's the things we know but are we convinced are we really convinced it's God's will for us to seek him and if we are how should we seek him and that's what we talked about last week first of all we should seek him through reading the word of God whatever the area of difficulty is in our life find out what the word has to say about that area of our life acknowledge whatever God's word says is being your answer to. If God says it's sin, then we acknowledge it, we repent of it, we put it out of our life. If God says that if we have fear, we have to acknowledge that fear is sin and that when faith comes, fear has to go. And so we read read the word of God and begin to study and meditate and memorize and uh, personalize the word that applies to us concerning fear and faith, that we might have faith. Then we said give time to God. First of all, the Lord's day. We're living in a day and age where there are people that will come to church, say they love God with all their heart, but don't you dare talk to them about giving the whole Lord's day to the Lord. They are just not about to make that kind of a commitment because that to them smacks of legalism and bondage. But the Word says if we're going to seek the Lord, we have to seek Him with all our heart, and we need the fellowship one with the other. The other thing we talked about was uh, the Scripture says we should seek the Lord in on in the morning. We should seek Him in the evening. This says we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, continually seeking the Lord. And uh, then we stopped with this question. It says that we should seek the Lord, but why should we seek Him? Why should we seek God continuously? Well, first of all, because as we read the Scripture, it is God's will for us to seek His face. And I want you to look at some Scriptures with me tonight. And the first one is found in Psalm twenty-seven. Psalm twenty-seven. David, who was a man after God's own heart, made the statement in the eighth verse of Psalm 27, "When thou saidst to seek my ye my face," God speaking to David, telling him seek His face. My heart said unto thee, "Thy face, Lord, will I seek." God said, "David, seek my face." Let me tell you something. God hasn't changed that pattern. He says to His children, "Seek my face. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek my face." Look back in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt what? Find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he sware unto them. He said if you'll just seek after me you will find it when you seek for me with all your heart. First Chronicles 16 I want to stop and start talking to you about what it means to seek for the Lord with all your heart but I'm afraid if I get off on that I won't quit and I won't get done and I won't find time to get done tonight. We know what it means in every other area. Some people will give themselves, basketball stars will give themselves, they, we were talking, I was listening to a man being interviewed the other day, and he said that, uh, they asked him about his free throws and how he learned to do the shots from the, out in the middle of the court and stuff. He said, well, we probably will do 3,000 of those a day. Just, so it just becomes so automatic. He just knows exactly what to feel, what to feel when it's perfect. 3,000 times a day, I thought that man is seeking to hit that basket with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, with all his. Over and over and over he throw that basketball until he got it just right. I thought, wouldn't it be incredible if God's people would be as sincerely earnest in seeking God's face as that man is in trying to put a ball through a loop, a hoop? There's so many illustrations we can give you this, but when we say seek the Lord, it means search for him first of all through the Word, but then seek him in prayer, seeking his will. I had a lady say to me this last week, you know, God doesn't talk to me. I said, well, he's already exhausted his vocabulary right here in his word. If you will just read his word, the word will speak to you. But you see, we want this, this little mystical voice to come out of nowhere and say, go here and do thus and this and that. First of all, he said, just read the word. The word, the interest of the word will give you light. And then, you see, prayer is when we talk to God and reading the word is when God talks back to us. He'll always speak to you through his word. It'll always be consistent with the word. And I'll tell you, that's why it's important to know the word so that once there is that mystical voice that speaks to you, you'll be sure that it's God because you'll know whether it's consistent with the word or not. 1 Chronicles 16, beginning with verse 8. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, Talk ye of all his wondrous works, glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice, let the heart of them that rejoice, that what? Seek the Lord. You know, people who seek the Lord are usually happy people. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face, what? Continually, constantly be seeking the Lord's face, constantly be crying out to the Lord. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Back to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Psalm 105 beginning with verse 1. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the people. So it says, give thanks that means testify. Call upon his name that's praying. Make known his deeds among the people that's testifying again. Sing unto him Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. They're testifying again. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice and seek the Lord. There it is again. When you're seeking the Lord, rejoicing comes from seeking the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. What? Forevermore. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he shall have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Over in Colossians, the third chapter, in the first verse, the Bible says, if, or actually it means since ye be then be risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. The believer is to seek God, seek him at all times, seek him forevermore, seek him continually, rejoice in, his, in your heart because you sought him, and uh, then it says here, Seek those things which are above, those things, not just him, but seek those things which are above. You know, it's interesting how the Word of God says there's two things you can look for. You can look for things here on the earth, but if we're believers, we seek those things which are above. Why? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things here on earth will be added unto you. So we're seeking the Lord to say, Lord, I want your will, I want your purpose. What do you want done? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, earth as it is in heaven. I really want to know your purpose. I want to know your plan. I want to know what you desire for my life. Lord, that's above everything else. Close every door, open every door, make me to know this is you, Lord. Now, how many of you know that if you do that, it's going to be a rewarding experience in your life? that's the second the first thing is God's will secondly it's rewarding when we do that look at Hebrews the 11th chapter if I told you if you would do thus and such I'd give you some some tickets to the magic game some of you get very excited but if God says to you if you'll do thus and such I'll reward you I want to tell you something God's rewards are even better than magic tickets believe it or not now I know it's hard for some people to believe that but it is God's rewards are much better. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that, what? Diligently seek him. Not casually seek him. Not from time to time seek him. But them that diligently seek him. That's why when Jesus was talking about prayer, he says, keep on asking and you shall receive. Keep on knocking uh, seeking and you shall uh, find. Keep on knocking and it shall be opened unto you. Consistently, diligently, seek the Lord. In second chronicles chapter twenty six, an interesting story concerning a king. Second Chronicles chapter six or twenty-six, I'm sorry. I'm trying to slow down as I preach so that I can wait for you to get to the place in the Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 5. Now, this was about King Uzziah who had ruled in Jerusalem for 52 years. He was a good king. Verse 5 of chapter 26 says, As long as he sought the Lord, God won. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. There's a secret that we need to understand Then, When Abraham walked in obedience to the Lord, God prospered him in all things. Abraham, God blessed Abraham in all things. When Uzziah sought the Lord, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's the reward that God gives to those that seek his face in Psalm thirty four. Psalm thirty four, verse ten. Psalm thirty four, ten The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want what? Any good thing. This is another promise of a reward that comes from the Lord. Matthew six thirty three. I think most of us know that portion of Scripture. Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, some people, I don't know where they get this concept. They think that it's God's will for Christians to be miserable. That God literally is looking for opportunities to make them miserable. Now, so let me ask you something. If you had a child, and that child came to you as a parent and said, Mom, Dad, I want to tell you what's on my heart. I want to obey you in every way I possibly can. I want to trust you. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to try to obey that. I really want your I want to do that which is pleasing in your sight. What would you do? You say, now somehow I've got to try to find a way to make this kid miserable. I've got to do whatever I can to make it hard for this kid. Is that what you'd say? That's not even logic, is it? And yet, some people think that if I seek after the Lord, His will is going to make me miserable. <laughs> not at all. It's going to be rewarding. God has promised to bless those that follow after Him and seek His face. Let me ask you if that isn't the way you treat your child if they came to you like that, are you more loving than God is? God gives the best to those that leave the decision up to Him. Those are the promises from the Lord. Look at Ezra 8. Ezra chapter 8. Powerful verse. The last part of verse 22. Ezra said, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him. The hand of the Lord is upon all them for good that seek him. When God sees someone that's wanting to seek Him, God blesses and takes care of them and rewards them. I remember that when God judged the nation of Israel, when uh, Jeremiah was the uh, yes, Jeremiah was the prophet, and they finally got sick and tired of Jeremiah's terrible prophecies against the land, and they threw him into this well full of mud, and he began to sink all the way up to his armpits and was going to possibly go submerge and drown in there. One man came to the king and said can't I get Jeremiah out of that well and the king gave him permission he went and uncovered the well threw a, some clothes down to Jeremiah so he put him under his arms so, so he could put a rope under his arms and then he pulled him up out of that mud It was very difficult it said they got him out of the mud and saved his life when the judgment finally came on that nation it's interesting how God said that that particular man to save my servant I'm going to protect him and I'm going to bless him God saw who he was and saw that his desires were toward the things of the Lord. You can't do right for God, even when it's unpopular, for what God will come back and reward you for. Young people, learn that principle. God will reward those that diligently seek him and seek his face and seek his will every day. Psalm 9. Psalm 9 and verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, Thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Now this is God's inspired word. This is my final authority. I believe it, will I obey it. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts unrighteous man and let him return to the Lord God says, if you'll do that I will bless you I will honor you I will reward you I will sustain you I will keep you I'll bring you to all these things it must become a conviction with us that it's God's will and God's purpose that we should seek him and set our goals according to his priorities if we don't seek him we'll never set our goals according to his priorities so first of all we have to understand he wants us to seek him and he wants us to follow after him The third thing is it will produce praise Psalm 22 Psalm 22 Psalm 22 and verse 26 it will produce praise Psalm 22 26 the meek shall eat and be satisfied they shall praise the Lord that seek him your heart shall live forever they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Over and over again, when we read about those that are seeking the Lord, it said their hearts going to rejoice. They're going to be happy. To seek the Lord, it does not mean we're to be miserable, we're to be grovel, we're supposed to be so heavenly-minded we're no earthly good. It means we'll come into a place where God's blessing will be so real in our lives, we couldn't care less what the world thinks. We know what God thinks, so that's what's important. We couldn't care less what the world says is important. We know what God says is important. Therefore, we've found the answer. We can go around like the cat that has that little smile on his face with a feather sticking out of the side of his mouth. He found the canary he was looking for. He said, we have something that no one else has. If we know these things are true and we know that this is the will of God, then they must become our purpose, our intent, and it must be our free choice that above everything else, we will seek God. It has to become a conviction with us. The Word of God is God's Word. It's a supernatural book. And in His Word, He tells us we're to seek Him. seeking continuously. Seek Him diligently. Seek Him all the time. Seek Him day and night. Seek those things which are above. Why? Because His blessings will be upon us. He'll reward us. And we'll be able to rejoice in the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up the wing of eagles run, not be weary, walk and not faint. They will rejoice because of His goodness. Lord willing, next week, we'll start on the second part of that to set my goals according to his priorities what are God's priorities for me God has some specific priorities for us if we're going to first of all seek him then we'll begin to need to know what his priorities are if we'll do his priorities meet his priorities he said he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly has nothing to do with what we possess man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. It more so consists of what possesses him. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the truth of your word. I'm so thankful that when we can find these truths and apply them to our hearts, not as hearers but as doers, then the truth of the word becomes reality in our life. I'm so thankful that the promises of God are yea and amen. So thankful that when we fulfill your, your respons- our responsibility, your duty-bound to fulfill your word and your promises. Lord, we're just believing that you're going to show us in the days ahead your plan, your purpose, your desire for our lives as we seek your face with all of our hearts. As we come together this coming Wednesday night, Father, I pray that we'll come with this attitude of mind: I'm going to seek the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to find out God's purpose and plan for my life. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to seek those things which are above, not those things here on the earth. Seek those things which are above. And then believe that God is going to take care of everything else. That all these other things will be added unto me. And Father, I pray you'll give us wisdom and understanding so we can apply biblical principles every day and expect your blessings to come. In Jesus' name I ask it and thank you for it. Amen. talking about biblical certainties and the first conviction important conviction we talk about convictions it means something that does not change regardless of the circumstances the first one is the bible is a supernatural book unlike any other it is the inspired word of god and the complete authority for my life i can't only be true when it's a convenient or advantageous for us or profitable for us it means regardless of the circumstances regardless of the conditions, that becomes a conviction in our hearts that whatever the Word of God says, that's it. That's what I will do. That's the way I will go. And I want to tell you something, until that becomes a deep personal conviction in your life, you will never do anything worthwhile for God. because God only honors one thing and that's His word. He'll not honor our own efforts, our earthly fleshly efforts, personal selfish health efforts, We can do all we want to do, but it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he works in our lives. And Jesus said, without him, we can do absolutely nothing. And as we use the word of God, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It is the weapon of our warfare that we can use to pull down all the strongholds of the enemy, to defeat all the the, uh, hosts of uh, hell that would come against us, and then to stand and know if God's word says this, I can believe this, and I don't have to move. God says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It can't prevail against me because I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and if that's what the Word says, that's exactly what I believe, regardless of the circumstances. It has to become a conviction in our lives. And nothing else will do it. The second one is, as a believer, because I know the Word of God is a supernatural book, as a believer, I must purpose to seek God and to set my goals according to His priorities. I must seek God and set my goals according to his priorities. Ephesians the third chapter, and I'm going to read to you t- tonight instead of the King James, I'm going to read to you out of the living Bible. The first fifteen verses there. Whatever happens, dear friends, be glad in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you this, and it is good for you to hear it again and again and again. Someone will say, Well, Paul the Apostle keeps repeating the same message over and over again. Yes, he does. He said, I'm going to keep doing it until you get it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Watch Watch out for those wicked men, dangerous dogs I call them, who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For it isn't the cutting off of our bodies that makes us children of God. It is worshiping him with our spirits. That's the only true circumcision. We Christians glory in what Christ Jesus has done for us and realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. Yet if anyone ever had reason to hope that he could save himself, it would be I. If others could be saved by what they are, certainly I could, for I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish home that was a branch of the old, original Benjamin family. So I was a real Jew, if ever there was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees, who demand the strictest obedience to every Jewish law and custom. And sincere? Yes, so much so that I greatly persecuted the church, and I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. But all of these things that I once thought very worthwhile, now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've put aside all else, counting it worth less than nothing in order that I can have Christ and become one with Him, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. Now, I've given up everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all that I should even yet. I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I am still not all that I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will see eye to eye with me on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you If you fully obey the truth, you have. If you fully obey the truth, you have. Dear brothers, pattern your lives after mine and notice who else lives up to my example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again now with tears in my eyes, there are many who walk along the Christian road who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul says, I haven't arrived yet, but I am learning principles. I am practicing principles. I am doing the things that God says in his word and the things that the Spirit of God has taught me that I might achieve that which I ought to be. And when we become convictions, have convictions in our hearts, we will stand out from the rest of the crowd because many people go by preference and convenience. And Paul the Apostle says we are to stand and stand against all the things of the enemy and all the things of the flesh and to believe that we should seek God and set our goals according to his priorities. Now again, a purpose. We're supposed to purpose in our heart. To seek God. And I said, that's a free choice from the heart. I can't make you do it. No one else can make you do it. You and I have to choose to follow after the Lord. In the Old Testament, God said to them, uh, Moses said to the children of Israel, Choose you this day whom you'll serve. He didn't go over and drag some over the line. He said, if you're going to serve the Lord, step over here. If you're going to serve the enemy the other gods, stand over there. And every one of them had the right and the freedom to choose. And when it was all over with, the, those that didn't make that choice were judged. God does not make that choice for you and me. You and I must purpose in our heart as a free act of our own hearts to do what God have us to do. Remember when the 12 spies went out? It said that Joshua and Caleb, they had a different spirit within them. Why? They decided to follow God, to obey, do it God's way. And consequently, the others thought they were grasshoppers in the side of the giants, and these two said, if God told us we could have it, we'll make them grasshoppers in our sight, We'll go and take the land. And when the people of Israel didn't listen, the other 10 spies were... Killed by a plague. God killed them because of their disobedience to God's word. What was the difference? These other two made a choice. They purposed in their heart to, to, to believe what God had said to them already. Now, uh, your choice, your purpose to make a decision is based upon your understanding, in, uh, based upon understanding your standing before the Lord. Now, if you have a distorted view of what you are and who you are in Jesus Christ, it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to make the kind of decision you need to make to be profitable in God's kingdom. If you think you're useless, you think you're worthless, you think there's nothing you can do that's right, you think that you're a total failure, then you probably are going to be. But you see, that isn't what God's Word says you are. And so you have to purpose in your heart, I will not receive those thoughts, I will not receive those ideas and those suggestions I have to understand what my standing is and God's word says "Inasmuch as as I have repented of my sins and trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I'm no longer a part of this world I have been drawn out of this world into his marvelous light and I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus I have authority over all the powers of darkness and my mind is my mind and I'll think the thoughts that God wants me to think and not the things, thoughts that the enemy wants me to think or what my flesh wants me to think or what my circumstances would have me to think. I'm getting into a very critical area here when I talk about the purpose of your heart. If you don't like yourself, then you've got to go back and search God's word and see what God thinks about you and begin to think what God thinks about you. The enemy is going to tell you you're useless, you're worthless, you just can't make it, you've always failed before, you're going to continue to fail. But that isn't what God's word says. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He says you're a royal generation, a priesthood, a holy generation. He says you're the apple of his eye. You're precious in His sight. And you have to begin to realize if that's what God says, that's what I am. But I don't feel that way. And don't go by feeling. How many of you married people feel like you're married? I mean, yep, yeah, I'm married. I can tell it. I can feel it. See? No, yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. No, you don't feel married. You're married because somewhere along the line you made a quality decision to commit yourself to that other partner. What's the difference? You made a quality decision. And if you make a quality decision, I am going to be all that God wants me to be, and I'm not going to listen to what the, the lies of the enemy anymore, I'm going to be what he wants me to be. Then you're off starting a new direction. You've got a new purpose, and it's, and what you purpose in your heart is going to be determined by what you understand your standing to be. Has Christ forgiven you of your sins? Well, he says he did. Well, have you forgiven yourself of your sin? Well, I'm pretty miserable. I didn't ask you that. Have you forgiven yourself? Well, you know, I'm just going to sin again. That is what I ask you. Have you forgiven yourself? If you don't forgive yourself, how do you expect God to forgive you? How do you expect to have any victory in your life if you don't forgive yourself? Either God forgave you and washed you and redeemed you and clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, or you're still walking around like a rag muffin that he says that he has taken your sin and has clothed you in his righteousness, so when you stand before God, not that you're righteous, but Christ is righteous because of what he's done for you, you have Christ's righteousness because of what he's done for you, and you can come boldly before the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus and make your petitions known to God. You've got access directly into the throne of God. Well, I'm not sure I do. You're calling God a liar. Well, I don't feel like that. You're calling God a liar. God didn't tell you to go by your feelings. He told you who you are in Christ. Now, once you have that understanding, get out of the way, Satan. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. Don't you stand between me and Jesus. I belong to him. These things that have been in my life, they're not going to stay there anymore because Jesus said he's redeemed me, and I can have a new, renewed mind. Now, you mind, I'm telling you, you don't think those thoughts anymore. And when that anger tries to come against me anymore, from now on in Jesus' name, you have no right in my life. When that jealousy comes in, you will not function in my life anymore. Whatever that problem might be, if it's covetousness, if it's, if it's cynicism, if it's anger, whatever it might be, that will not function. Why? Because I am seated in Christ Jesus. I have been redeemed. I'm a new creature in Christ. Well, I just don't feel. Do will you get out of your feelings and get into faith to what God's Word says you are? It's just where we have learned to apply it. Why is your land, name written in the like, Oh, amen. Praise God, my name is written. How do you know that? You've never seen it. You've never been there. Well, God's word You can accept that, can't you? Is Jesus coming in? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus coming through the clouds. going to take me to heaven. How do you know that? He's never done it before. Well, he says he's going, you believe that. Well, why can't you believe what God says about you? I can't get away from this one thing God just keeps telling me. Be what God tells you you are and not what you think you are. Believe what God's word says you are and not what you feel you are. That's going to be the beginning of where you're going to have healing and strength and growth in your life. Some people go around so sad as believers and I feel so badly for them. You and I have every reason to rejoice. True Christians ought to be almost jumping over these pews with excitement when they begin to realize who they are in Christ Jesus. I won't accept the lies of Satan anymore. I refuse to accept them anymore. The scripture says I'm to rejoice and again he says rejoice. He said he's put a song in my heart, he even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and trust the Lord. If you don't have a song in your heart, say God, where'd I mess it? You said it was mine, I want it. Give me that song. I'm going to have a song in my heart for the Lord. You're going to be miserable when you get to heaven because that's all we're going to be doing singing the praise praising the Lord. Well, I just don't feel like don't go by your feelings. Go by what the word says. Remember, I told you about Daniel? Taken captive brought before the king as one of the choice young men he said now feed him all the wine and all the meat from the king's table I want these to be the finest young men and Daniel purposed 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 in his heart he wouldn't defile himself for the king's meat and his wine I don't believe that's pleasing to God for me to defile my body like that he said and I won't do it so he went to the, the head man over him and said could I just eat this pulse which is a, a grain and lentil type of thing with water he said, Well, I'll watch and make sure. And he purposed in his heart. And the end result was that God gave knowledge and skill in all learning and in all visions and dreams to Daniel because he purposed in his heart to do what God would have him to do. Now, again, I say that a believer must purpose in his heart to seek God and to set his goals according to what? God's priorities. God's priorities. Now, I can say all these things. And this is, the, this is the, the, the feeling of total inadequacy as a pastor. You can say all these things, but I can't make anyone do it. I have to ask you, do you really believe, after what I'm telling you now, that it is God's will for you to seek him? Should believers be seeking God? you know some people just kind of float through life well if it happens it happens if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen then God will have to just hit me in the back of the head with the pop bottle and get my attention he wants me to do something and they just float and wonder why they don't see the victory that they want to see in their lives. you see God's word says very clearly that we should seek him how do we seek him why do we seek God? Some people say, I've got to just wait on God all night and all day and all night and all day for 30 days 40 days. That isn't what the scripture says unless God specifically speaks that to you. If you and I want to seek God, the first thing is John 5:39. John 5:39, Not written on my face. It's written in here. John 5:39. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you and I are going to seek the Lord, we're going to have to search the scriptures to find out everything it has to say concerning who Jesus Christ is, what he is to us, what he's provided for us, what's available to us how he's provided for the areas of need in our life, you say, well, where do I start?" Well, first of all, find out if you have a problem with fear. Go to a concordance somewhere and find every verse in the Scripture that has to do with fear. What does God say about fear? What does God say about courage? The righteous are bold as the lion. The wicked flee when no man's pursuing them. That doesn't sound like we should be allowing fear in our lives. Fear causes torment, the Bible says. Some people say you know, I'm constantly tormented well that's because you haven't gone to the word and found out what God says about fear and the believer's position concerning fear whatever it is find out the verse that's there concerning fear meditate on it memorize it personalize it say I'll take that for me every time the enemy comes against you to bring fear in your life I'm not going to accept that because it says this in the word of God and you quote that scripture verse what are you doing you're taking the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Jesus was hungry Satan came and don't you to turn that rock into bread he pulled it out man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God take that Satan each time he brought the word out now I don't know where your area of need might be maybe it's in the area of finances what does God's word say about finances I've known families right here in this body that, that were in financial disaster areas and they began to apply biblical principles and God brought them out surprise no it always works Operate by God's principles and they'll always work it's when we violate God's principles we get into trouble that's why we try to apply and teach biblical principles. Maybe you have an area, and have a problem in the area of health. I've seen people, some people going around and you don't dare ask them how they are because they'll take two hours to tell you. And they'll tell you the same story over and over again. And you say, get in the Word and find out what God's Word says for you concerning that, that need. Now maybe, maybe God's not going to heal you instantly. Maybe God's not going to take it away completely from you. He, Paul the Apostle said he had a thorn in the flesh and he came and he cried out to the Lord three times and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he said he allowed that to happen to humble me Make me realize that I'm not God, man's God, God's man of power for the hour and has all nine gifts and no, I don't need anyone else. He made me realize that I have areas of weakness also. And you have to find out what's God saying to me concerning this physical affliction. Maybe you're violating biblical principles of health. I know some Christians get up in the morning and shove a piece of white toast in their mouth a cup of black coffee in their mouth and they'll go out and run all morning and then they'll sit down and have a greasy hamburger for lunch and they'll run all afternoon and they'll go out and grab some fatty piece of food and shove that in their mouth in the evening and before they go to bed at night they'll have a Coke or something and they go to bed and they say God I don't know why I just there's some pain around here take your car tomorrow and pour some uh, sewing machine oil in the crankcase and a little bit of water and kerosene in the gas tank and see how far you go You you and I are what we eat and believe me you and I are what we think and we have to be very very careful what we're doing to our bodies we may be violating some health principles that's causing these afflictions to come upon us and find out what they are. I've known people who have changed their their eating habits and changed their, their health habits and suddenly found many of these things would disappear from them. But you have to find out what God's Word says about health. How many of you have trouble with your family? Are you violating biblical principles? I've had people say to me, I love my children too much to punish and spank them. And let me tell you, you're getting absolutely washed away with this over television today. I heard a lady the other day say, uh, We don't have to do the old, I, I can't remember the exact term, but something like the old uh, uh, punishment type of things anymore. We can reason with our children. Well, there's nothing unreasonable about correcting your children according to the Word of God. They call that brutality and punishment, teaching them to be brutal with other people. Not at all. You're teaching them the principle of doing right brings blessing, doing wrong brings punishment. And that's what they're going to learn from God. And you know why they don't want our children to learn that? Because they don't want them to learn how to function with God. Learn what the biblical principles are involved. Maybe there's a secret sin in your life. I've had people come to me and say, you don't have problems with pornography. I said, well, the Word of God gives us parameters of what we can think and what we are to think about. What sort of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report with virtue and praise. Now, you need to go into the Word of God and see what it says about thoughts, our thoughts, and the imaginations of our hearts. And how we can have that taken care of. We need to go back and see what Job said, how he made a covenant with his eyes not to look at a woman with lust. You have to put that into the principle. Say, that's a principle of God's Word. I want that to operate in my life. Begin to not just read it, meditate upon it, memorize it, and personalize it. How can I put that to my heart and mind? There's all kinds of verses on these things. But until we find out what God's Word says and establish it, We're not going to be able to seek God and to set our goals according to His priorities in our life. You want victory in your life? Find out what God's Word says. Now, first thing is to read the Word, which means to meditate and memorize and personalize it. The second thing is to give time to God. Well, I I give my time to the Lord, you know. Now, God, that's not, you know, He gave it all to you, you're just giving it back to Him. He's given you all your time. How many people tithe their time to the Lord? Whether it's serving the Lord, reaching out and touching others, or if it's spending time with the Lord in prayer. Well, let's see, tithe, that would be two hours and forty minutes a day. Hello. Got quiet in here real quickly, didn't. Jeremiah twenty nine. Jeremiah twenty nine. Jeremiah, I love to hear the turning of pages. Jeremiah 29. I, I don't understand why people come to hear God's word preached without their Bible. Jeremiah 29. Starting with verse 11. For I know that the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, And ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with what? All your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. When you seek for me with all your heart. Now, first of all, it's hard to find Christians today that will give one day a week to the Lord. Now you know when the Jews used to have the Sabbath, it was from six at night until six at night at night the next next night. Uh, today the Sabbath or the day of rest most people is Sunday morning. Well, did by duty. In fact, some of them are getting a little tired of that, so they go on Saturday night so they can have all day Sunday free going to go and do what they want to do. They know nothing about giving setting aside a day and the Lord. Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom, and I don't think he went there and said, "Well, that's over for the day now. I go do my own thing." I believe he. He, he honored the Sabbath. I believe he took that time aside. And then there's the daily time of seeking the Lord. And I guess if there's anything that disturbs me in the life of many Christians who are having difficulty is that they don't daily spend time seeking the Lord's faith. And the Bible is very, very clear about that. First of all, evenings. Sometime in the evening spend some time with the Lord. I thank the Lord that my wife and I try to read the scriptures and pray together every night just before we go to sleep. We'll open up the scriptures and read several chapters and then sometimes we'll lay there and talk about those chapters, what we've found out in there, and that's an interesting thing. And how does that apply? Well, it applies over here and back and forth. Uh, You know, it's very important. Someone said one time that the last important thought in your subconscious at the end of the day will affect your mood for the next morning. Whatever you're thinking about just before you go to bed at night, if you go to bed mad, or angry or fearful, the next morning that'll have the first effect on your life. So before you go to bed, Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Doesn't any difference what I say. What does the scripture say? If we're going to set God's priorities as ours, Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6. David said, My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my what? bed and meditate on thee in the night watches in the night watches Turn over to Lamentations Lamentations Jeremiah Lamentations Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 19 This is after Israel had, and Judah had gone into captivity and they were struggling trying to find God. Jeremiah said to them in Lamentations, Arise, cry out in the night in the beginning of the watches. Pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. If you're having trouble with the young people, he says, Get up in the middle of the night or stay up at night before you go to bed. The last one is Cry out to God. Lift up your hands at night to seek the Lord's face. Not only at night, but also in the morning, if we're going to seek the Lord. It is God's will for us to seek the Lord, and we should give this time to the Lord, morning or evening or both. My wife and I, when we awaken in the morning, the first thing we do before we ever get out of bed is to take time to pray together. Committing the day to the Lord, all of our thoughts, all of our actions and activities for that day, and all the different ones, we try to pray for the different ones in the body we believe that it's a time when our minds are free and clear before we get involved with the phone ringing and people coming to the door and feeding the cats and all the rest that's involved in the daily life to spend time with the lord mark 135 concerning the morning jesus said in, and in the morning and it says concerning jesus and in the morning rising up a great while before day he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed well you say jesus had a lot of time I think Jesus' schedule is very important but he counted that as a priority some people say I'm just not the praying kind well you're going to be the, the kind that's going to have trouble then if you're not the praying kind because we must call upon the Lord we must seek the Lord's face we must spend time with the Lord how else are we going to hear what the Lord has to say I, I remember a dean or the, one of the um, officers in our Bible college one time talking young people. He said, I see some of you young people, your lights come on and ten minutes later you're running between the dormitory and over to the main building to go see some of the, the uh, female students in the school and go have a, a donut and a cup of coffee. He said, when do you ever stop to listen to God? If God's ever going to speak to you, he's going to have to hit you with a pop bottle right in the back of the head between the dormitory and the main building because you aren't spending time in your room so that God can get your heart quiet and talk to you. I was there long enough to see that those that didn't spend time with the Lord later on failed they went under you and i must seek the lord and his face seek his face and his strength and his direction in our life